Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the podcast where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And a few of my favorite ordinary things are sleeping in on Saturdays, rereading old books, and late night conversations with my teens. Lisa Jo, I love a fire in the wood stove, that first cup of coffee in the morning, and flannel sheets on the bed. As usual, we are recording on the third floor of Christie's 100-year-old farmhouse called Maplehurst. And for those of you who already got your hands on her brand new book, Placemaker, then you know what it looks like here behind the scenes. In my own endorsement, I said, warning, this book will make you homesick for people as well as for places. It also might make you wish you had a green thumb and it will definitely move you toward your garden and your neighbors. And when you're done, you might be tempted to put Maplehurst into your GPS because some places just have to be seen in person. But Lisa Joe, Placemaker isn't just about this old house. It also tells the story of every place that came before from our first tiny apartment in Texas to a condo in the big city of Chicago, from failed DIY to a barn raising and all the trees I fell in love with along the way. Listeners, you can find it wherever you love to buy books. Pick up a copy as a gift to yourself and your home. Whether you love where you are right now or you aren't so sure, Placemaker is for all of us, the ones with deep roots, the ones just starting out, and everyone in between. Listen, what are you waiting for? Go right now. Pick up a copy for yourself and then you can thank me later. Christy, happy April. I love this month, the month of hope. (laughs) It is. It may just be one of my favorite months of the year. It is transition. It's like the good news month, spring. I know. (laughs) We might actually see the sun and some daffodils peek through or a few tulips start to pop out and the sun is here more than it isn't. Mm -hmm. So it does. It feels like a month of hope. It's been almost a month now since Placemaker came out, which is really fun and mm-hmm. exciting. And I still have your copy next to my bed because it's just beautiful. The cover. I like to pet your cover. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the title Placemaker in that beautiful purple is raised so you can really feel it with your fingers. And I was thinking our listeners, I hope by now you've had a chance to really sink into Placemaker and work your way through it and Just sit with those beautiful words and images. And honestly, if you haven't yet, why don't you just pop over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, wherever you read or review books and leave a review for Christy because she won't ask you. But I know as a writer, those reviews mean so much, not just to read personally, but they help other people find the book. They help the book gain traction. And it's a story that's so significant that we would love to see as many people as possible find it. So do pop over and leave a review if you have nice things to say. If you don't, then just do what your mama taught you and keep those to yourself. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lisa Joe. I'm so glad you asked. You're right. The reviews are a great gift, but I am a little shy about asking for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're important. They're one of those weird things. As writers, our jobs are so strange. You know, Christy and I often talk about this. Nobody else really in their job publicly offers what they did for the entire world to have an opinion. Your boss might give you a performance review or your principal if you're a teacher or your floor manager or whoever it might be. Your kids, if you're a homeschool mom, <laughs> might share their opinions. <laughs> and you have to you know, submit all your paperwork, I know, to the authorities in the area that are 
you know, in charge of education for their review of what you're doing. But as writers, it is so vulnerable to kind of just stand out there for the whole world to have an opinion <laughs> about your work. And so it is really, really meaningful where if folks who've been moved by your work, who have loved it, who have found something in it that God buried there for them, like treasure, if they're willing to come and share publicly too what that meant to them. So in advance, thank you very much for taking a moment to go and leave a review of Christy's beautiful book, Placemaker. So we are sitting here in the farmhouse. Of course, we are on the third floor looking out the window for signs of spring. April is that month where you just start to feel like, okay, we might be at the end now. We Mm, might finally see some life after all these months of what just feels like deadness in the earth. I'm just remembering, Lisa Jo, haven't we both given birth during the month of April? Yes, I know. We both have spring babies. Yeah. We both have spring babies. And today, that was one of the stories I wanted to share One of my favorite stories about life, because it is the name of our third child, our daughter, our completely surprised daughter, Zoe. Zoe, of course, is the Greek word for life. And so this is her story. She was born in April. April 19th is her birthday. And in that season, Peter and I were still living under a pretty heavy cloud of New parents who both worked full-time, were commuting into the city, felt stretched and tired all the time, as you do in that season of your life. But we did think there was supposed to be another person joining our family. I remember vividly, and I actually tell Zoe that now, after we'd had the boys, I just had this very clear sense that there was someone missing, is how I would have described it. Um, There was somebody missing from our family, and I didn't know who it was or when that person was supposed to arrive. And and for the longest time, I thought it would be a boy, for Mm. sure. I just assumed, right, after you've had two boys, chances are pretty good you're going to have another (laughs) one. And I was prepared for boys. I had all the books and the toys and I knew what to expect from them. And one of the reasons I felt comfortable with the idea of having a boy is I had two brothers and now I had two sons. And when I was 18, my mom had passed away. So I hadn't really grown up with a narrative of girls or girlhood or girliness. I just felt like I didn't speak the language. I felt like I was equipped for boys, but I really wasn't equipped for girls. And so I had just assumed the whole way through my pregnancy that it was a boy. We talked about boy names. We thought for sure it would be a boy. Um, And I was absolutely flawed to find out it was a daughter when we had the first ultrasound that let us know it was a girl. And I remember being devastated. Absolutely devastated. Yes. Have you told Zoe that? (laughs) Oh, she knows the story. Yeah. Because of course, the work that God did through her in Mm. my life. But I felt... Um, I felt like it was a cruel joke. I thought, why mm. would God give me a daughter when I didn't? I felt like I hadn't even really known how to be a daughter, having lost my mom. I had lost my role model. I felt like I'd lost my way. I felt in many ways at odds with my own femininity. And I had grown up in a pretty conservative church that had very strict and traditional views of women and what a a woman's role in the world was to be. And I had pushed back against that really strongly, but it had scarred parts of my womanhood, I think, parts of how I viewed my own self. And I just thought, how is this broken daughter supposed to raise a daughter? It just, it's impossible. I don't know how to do that. 
But, Christy, as you know, in this season of spring, we worship a God who makes all things new. He brings life out of death. And here's the part of the story that just every time I think about it, it gives me chills because when I was pregnant with Zoe uh, in the month of September— is when I found out I was pregnant. So as you're heading into fall and really the season of death, right? If you think about, you know, mm-hmm. that yeah. September, October, November, the trees are dying, the plants are dying, everything feels like it's dying. And my mom passed away on September 2nd. That's the date that she had died. And she died a week to the day after I turned 18. So I had lived 18 years with her as my mom. And then the year before Zoe was born was the 18th year I had lived without my mother. And it felt like this big, thick, black tar line painted across my life, Mm. a before and an after. Mm. Before you had had a mom, after you hadn't had a mom, and now was going to be, I, I had, now would, I now would have lived more years without her Mm. than with her. Mm. And it felt like a loss all over again. It just felt like, oh, my brain could hardly process that. How have I lived 18 years without my mother and now I'm heading into year 19 without her? It was so painful to think about about that. And so September 2nd, that year was such a heavy day for me. I just felt so full of sadness. I felt like I had this legacy of death every year that I relived, and now it would feel just multiplied by an infinity kind of heaviness. But as God would have it, that day, September 2nd, I had had an inkling for about a week that I might be pregnant. And you know, the third time around, you have a much better sense of what what, <laughs> what the signs are. You are much more in tune with your body. And I'd really been putting it off in my mind, you know, just thinking, I, maybe I'm not, you know, I'm not going to look. And for some reason, as, as God would have it, on September 2nd was the day I took that pregnancy test. And I was in our tiny little rental house in Springfield, Virginia. It was a very small house. You visit us there. Mm-hmm. Small little bathroom right out of the 70s with like a blue ceramic bathtub and a wooden toilet mm-hmm. seat. And I was in that bathroom and I took that test and it came back positive. And you know, Christy, there are those few moments in your life where you are certain that God is speaking to you. And in that moment, when I saw those two little lines saying that I was pregnant on the day my mom had died, I heard as clear as could be the Holy Spirit say to me, life. This is a day for life. Your legacy is not death. Your legacy is life. I am a God of life. I make all things new. Life, life, life. It was so clear. I could almost hear him yelling it, you know, whooping it with joy. Life, life, life. And that is why when we found out she was going to be a girl, we knew immediately that her name would be Zoe because it means life. And I felt like in those moments before I even knew it was a girl, God did. He knew and he named her life. And he spoke life into my broken parts, into our family, into this new life with a third baby and a daughter. And my goodness, has she ever been a storm of life? (laughs) She is. You're right. She is full to the brim with life. And then, of course, she was born in April, and it was an unseasonably warm day. I'll never forget it. Just beautiful outside. Mm. And it was one of those mornings where 
we're all lying in bed. You know, I was hugely pregnant and my two boys had come in at some point during the night. They were probably like four and six at the time. And we were cuddled in bed and I was actually scheduled for a C-section due to some complications I'd had in previous pregnancies. But we were lying in bed. I'd been potty training and potty training and potty training my youngest at the time. And I had told him, you better not wet this bed while you're in here snuggling <laughs> with us. That would just be unacceptable. And the next thing, as we're lying there, we feel this warm wetness soak the mattress. And I say to him, Micah, I told you not to wet the bed. And he's like, Mom, I didn't. It wasn't me. I didn't. <gasps> oh. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I get up. You guys, here comes the TMI. <laughs> I stand up in the bedroom and both my boys start yelling, Mom's peeing. Mom peed the bed. <laughs> Of course, my water had broken. And it was, you know, just part of that ongoing story of life because Zoe, I wasn't supposed to have my C-section until two days later, but she picked her day. She picked her day. That's great. God came and sent her into that world just so full of life. And I remember calling the hospital and saying, you know, my water broke. What should I do? And they said, come in, you know, come in right away. If you're going into labor, we'll need to do the C-section right away. And I called my friend Amy. It was a Saturday morning. She came over and took the boys to the park and Peter and I headed in to go and have Zoe and... I'll never forget we were, it's very different to go in for a C-section as opposed to going in sort of for a natural delivery. There's, There was an urgency because the labor was progressing quite quickly and they wanted to get ahead mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And so I was in the room and Peter had on, you know, the cap and gown and the whole shebang. <laughs> so funny. And I was lying in bed, but I just thought, I have to speak to my dad. I have Mm. to speak to him before I have this baby. And um, I'm from South Africa originally. And my father, they happened to be out on vacation, sort of in a remote part of Southern Africa where there wasn't a lot of cell service. And I just kept calling and calling. I couldn't get through. I couldn't get through. And, you know, there was all this hustle and bustle around me. The nurses are there and they're putting up IVs. And then they kept saying to me, we have to take you. Like, we have to take you into the OR really soon. And I and I just kept saying, I have to talk to my dad. I have to talk to him. And I couldn't talk to my mom. But there I was about to have this daughter whose name was Life, who had come to redeem a story my dad and I had lived, you know, of loss. And I finally got through. I'll never forget. There his voice was, you know, in his classic greeting of my father. Hello, my baby. My baby. Are you? <laughs> there. Hello, I hear you. What's happening? Is the baby coming? And I said, Dad, Zoe's going to be born today. And as they came and put up the sides of the hospital bed and started wheeling me down the corridor to the OR, I, my dad just prayed over us. And everybody could hear it because he was so loud. <laughs> and I was holding the phone. And I just heard him say, we just pray a blessing on this daughter and we welcome her to the world and we welcome to her, to our family. We just pray life over Lisa Joe. We pray such a blessing. And they wheeled me into the OR and I said goodbye to him. And they put me on the bed and gave me the epidural and and the surgeon came in and he looked over at me and said, I'll never forget it. He said, well, I hear we've been prayed for from South Africa today. <laughs> and I said, well, not because we had any concerns. <laughs> we do trust you. We trust you. Uh, but he prayed because he wanted to put a blessing on your hands and what you do today. And I remember when they lifted her up and held her in front of me and I heard her cry I thought, not all tears are sad, you know? This is a day and a story, a legacy and a daughter of life. And they laid her next to me, her little cheek next to mine. And I just looked at her and said, Zoe, Zoe, I'm your mom. And in that moment, there was such a redemption of my story. Everything I lost 
about what it means to be a daughter and have a mom, I gained through having a daughter and becoming her mom. It's just amazing how God makes everything new, even our deepest hurts, because every time I pick her up at night or I nursed her or she took first steps or tried on her first princess dress or told me how much she loved me or now wants to use my makeup, Every one of those is a moment I feel like I lost with my own mom that I get to now look through my eyes and see how my mom loved me. Parts that I couldn't remember. You know, my mom was sick from when I was 16. I don't have a lot of vivid memories of what she thought about me or about having a daughter. But man, having my own daughter is like reclaiming all of these memories that I didn't even know existed. And so, I tell you what, every time the calendar clicks over to April, I think about my daughter and how much I love her and how much she means to me and what a legacy this is that we share the story of life. Oh, Lisa Joe, I know it's my turn to tell a story, but I just <laughs> kind of want to take a moment to cry. <laughs> I know. I, oh, maybe I should have gone first today. <laughs> Except that I needed your story to know, okay, what is my story then? I mean, folks, this is real conversation here. We just sit down and and start telling stories. So I I too, Lisa Joe, have a story of dates and new life. So I I think this is the story to tell. It's it's not the story of my spring baby. I uh my third, my son Bo was born at the end of April and uh I always tell him, I can never remember what time of morning he was born, but I remember he was born and uh, there was this cherry tree blooming outside the window. And I just remember seeing those blossoms. So it was, you know, right as the sun came up because I could see the tree. And also it meant that it was just early, early spring. So I I always just tell him, oh, you were born, you were born with spring. (laughs) You came to me with the arrival of spring. But this story is, is connected to the birth of my older son, Thaddeus. And it goes back to my own birthday. My birthday is uh, at the end of June, and I grew up celebrating my birthday with my dear uh, Aunt Sissy, who was my mom's older sister. And uh, we all love Sissy so much. And she she hadn't ever married herself and didn't have children of her own. Uh, but that really meant that she belonged to me and my siblings in a really special way. And, um, uh, oh gosh, we just... She was everything to us. I think I've said before on the podcast, if I've mentioned her, that to us, she was like Santa Claus and Mary Poppins rolled into one. She was she was life. She was a life force mm-hmm. and loved children and loved us. And um, we would just had so much fun with her. But uh, we shared a birthday. Uh, hers was June 22nd. Mine was June 23rd. So, you know, just right there together. And she loved to tell me the story of how she was with my mom before I was born. And at that time, my parents were living in Rapid City, South Dakota, (laughs) (laughs) far from the place where I grew up. I grew up in Texas, but that's where they were living at the time. And that's the home of Mount Rushmore. So on June 22nd, which was Sissy's birthday, my mom and Sissy were determined that I would be born on (laughs) Sissy's birthday. So Sissy took my mom to Mount Rushmore and made her walk up and down the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) But I was a little slow. (laughs) 
And the stairs probably did work, but I wasn't born on the 22nd. I was born on the 23rd. And yet we still celebrated our birthdays together just as often as we could. Um, I remember things like my sixth birthday party where Sissy came to our Texas home and she, uh, I had a party in the backyard with all of my first grade friends and she orchestrated the whole thing and had, had us do all these fun games because she was just that kind of kind of woman and um, she did my birthday party and it was wonderful. So I have so many birthday memories of Sissy. But as I've shared before as well, we lost Sissy Um tragically in a car accident, uh, just a couple days um, after her birthday and mine, I turned 15 that year. She died on June 26th, which was also my parents' wedding anniversary. So just a lot of good and hard and heavy dates right there at the end of June. Well, fast forward (laughs) a few years in my life, many birthdays where now I've celebrated alone and um, good birthdays, (laughs) many of them, but always like that emptiness, always mm. that, you know, you're missing someone, you're missing something precious. And um, the kind of thing that you think, well, nothing fixes this for mm. the rest of my life, right? Mm. My birthdays can be good, but, you know, always there will be this this emptiness or this, um, you know, this person who was there and is no longer there. And, and so, um, that's how my birthdays were for many years. And then uh, we got pregnant with our second, our son Thaddeus, and his due date was June 26th, um, my parents' anniversary and the day that Sissy had died. And uh, But of course, you know, I didn't know when he would come. Lily had been born quite early. So in my mind, I thought he'll come mid-June perhaps. Or So I, I just didn't give those dates much thought at all. What I did think a lot about during that pregnancy was the fears I was struggling with. I for whatever reason, just other things going on in my life. It was a, a a time of wrestling with a lot of fear, specifically regarding the baby growing in me and his health. And uh, they were irrational fears. They were not rooted in reality, but I think there was some sort of spiritual struggle going on in me. And I was very fearful that something would be wrong with Thaddeus and that um, caring for him would would be a very difficult thing or would require great sacrifices. And I kept like, I kept wanting to tell God, I will do it. I, I love this boy, so I will do this. But toward the end of my pregnancy, um, through the prayers of others and encouragement of others, I really felt like I heard God say, I love this boy too. <laughs> in fact, I love him more than you do. <laughs> and I know him in ways you don't even know him. And you can trust him mm. to me because I love him beyond the love that you think you have for him. And so at the end of my pregnancy, finally, I I rested in that knowledge of, oh, I don't, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be okay. I didn't know what that meant. You know, you know, mm. babies are born all the time with challenges. And, and as it turned out, Thad would have some health challenges with his food allergies. But I felt very comforted and secure knowing that I could trust this child to God. And I felt also God saying, you know, he's, he's a gift. He's a good gift. You don't have to worry about mm. uh, the hard things this gift will bring. This is a gift. Right. This is a gift with right. no strings attached. This child is a gift. Well, once I started hearing that, you think I would have been prepared for what came next, um, but I wasn't. Uh, even the morning of June 23rd, which was my birthday, <laughs> mm-hmm. my 29th birthday, um, I felt some twinges as I woke that morning, and I thought, oh, okay, I think we're we're nearing mm-hmm. you know, the arrival of this child, but I still did not think he'd be born that day on my birthday, perhaps because my first labor had been a, a, had a slower beginning. I don't know. 
But, you know, the morning progressed well, Lisa Joe. <laughs> I remember <laughs> oh, this story. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Things so slowly fast. progressed until all of a sudden yeah. <laughs> they had entirely progressed. And I am on the bed in our third floor apartment when I realized. Baby, so, like, you had no way to prepare. Well, this is my second. Oh, so, sorry. yeah. this. So, yeah. So, I I'd had this longer, slower beginning to Lily's birth. Right. And so, I just thought course. it would proceed the, same, the right. same. And my doctor had warned me. She said second babies come faster. So, you know, be ready for that. But I hadn't been prepared for just how much yeah. faster he would come. So, I'm on the bed in the third floor apartment when I realize, oh, he's coming now. This is it. It's like my worst fear. Oh, my gosh. So I yelled to Jonathan, we are leaving now. And we lived in the city at the time. Fortunately, we were only six blocks from the university hospital where, um, you know, I had planned to deliver him, where I had delivered Lily. So, I mean, a five-minute drive. Right. Maybe, you know, if there's cars in the way, six or seven minutes. But first, I had to get downstairs. Then I had to get in the car. Then we're... We're headed to the hospital. Were you like pausing in between, like in standing in the hallway uh-huh. as you were having oh, yeah. contractions? It took me a while to get down. I remember oh. sitting on the front steps of our building and oh. my neighbor came up oh. and I remember her patting my my shoulder. Like she like, knew what was oh, happening. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I finally got in the car, but the baby was coming, Lisa Joe. Oh. And so halfway to the hospital, I said, Jonathan, pull over. He's coming. And Jonathan did it. He pulled over. And then I said, no. What are you doing? I still, it was the grace of God that got me to the hospital, on the elevator, upstairs to the maternity ward. We went up to the desk. My husband said, she's having her baby. We need a room. Well, they said, oh, no, you need to go to triage and be checked. They thought you were. Lisa Joe. I lay down on the ground. I remember this part of the story. With my rear in the air, (laughs) trying to keep the baby in. And I remember the nurse saying to Jonathan, "Uh, she needs to get up. John said, she's, she's having, having a baby. <laughs> and I mean, five minutes later, he was born. I mean, I, we, so we barely, barely. Along? Yeah, yeah. They they rushed me quickly. in the room. They said, okay, we'll check you here. They che- Well, they checked. And of course, you know. Like his, there's a, no, there's not a even baby head. There's, there's a baby there. <laughs> <laughs> there's the baby. Anyway, oh, so he was gosh. born in dramatic fashion <laughs> on my birthday. And that wow. it was really only in those last moments. Or, you know, it wasn't even then. It was when I was holding him and I realized. Realized, oh, it's my birthday. I just had a baby. Oh. He's perf- <laughs> he's so beautiful. Great. He's healthy. He's doing oh, well. So and I great. realized oh, he is a good gift. He's yeah. a birthday oh, gift. So great. <laughs> he is it. my birthday gift. And every year since, you know, the next year he turned one and I turned 30. And this year he'll turn 13 and, you know, feel free to do the math. <laughs> but every year since we have celebrated our birthday together. And every year I tell him about Sissy and how much, oh, oh I still wish that so she could great. be a part of our birthday yeah. celebrations. But once again, I am sharing uh, my birthday and the birthday is like like you were saying, not about death and not about loss, but about um, mm. our God who is making everything new and yeah. is always, always bringing forth new life. Um, and that's <laughs> that is my that is my story of my dear sweet Thaddeus. So thank I you for that. yeah. I love that our kids are like photo albums for us yeah. in a way, and they don't know that. You know, one of Zoe's greatest sadnesses is that she didn't know my uh, mom. Yeah, and she asks of you know of all my kids, she asks the most questions. She wants to. Know 
know about her and what did she look like? And we look at pictures and we tell stories mm. and it's just, she's a bridge, you know, for me. And yet she's, but she's a bridge into a future too, not into a past, but forward into a future. Oh, that's into, a beautiful image. Into yeah. new life and yeah. new stories and new memories and it's so meaningful to me how much she cares, how she worries. She's such a little mommy. She worries about me, you know, <laughs> and am I still sad and am I okay? And mm. um, and I just talk over and over. I tell her, Zoe, you are what God used to fix all those parts of me that mm. were sad. You, you're the fix. <laughs> you're the miracle. Loving you has helped me see, oh, this is how my mom always mm. loved me. It's you yourself that are the answer to that prayer of loss and of a legacy of what felt like death. You are life. And so her middle name is Grace. And I look at her and I just know she is a legacy of what God promises us, life and grace, something we don't deserve, is what I have in mm -hmm. her and what you have in mm -hmm. Thaddeus. And we look mm -hmm. out the windows and see spring coming, and mm -hmm. we just know this is the testimony of those who have walked through that river of death, but have come out the other side, and we see with our own eyes and our own lives that life is always waiting for us. That may be how I define grace from now on. Mm. Good gifts with no strings attached. Yeah. Just simple, pure, good gifts from God. <laughs> that we've done nothing to deserve yeah. or to earn, but that He gives us because that's the generosity out of His bounty. And spring feels like that, mm. you know? Every year when the tulips come back in our yard that we had planted bulbs like years and years mm. ago, and I've literally done nothing since then. Mm. I do nothing. I don't even water that flower bed. And every year they come back. It's a, Every year I'm astonished to see those colors <laughs> come back. And it's a reminder of that is what the grace of God looks like in our lives, a constant re-giving of new gifts that make old stories beautiful and new. Wait. P.S. Oh, no. So this is the part of the story where after moving all of you to tears, I confess that I got my daughter's birthday wrong. She was born March 19th. Can we just end it over there? It's very embarrassing, and we are going to move right along. <laughs> Lisa Joe, that's awesome. Isn't that so funny? But you know, 19th is like right when actual... It's spring Meteorological still. spring Thank begins. You. Which is why it's in my head, and we're looking out the windows, and it is spring, and it feels like spring. But Zoe's birthday, everybody, is March 19th. I stand corrected. I am an old lady with a very tired memory. But it does not change the fact that God makes all things new for me every spring, sometimes in March and sometimes in April. And you have a birthday gift to buy, don't you? <laughs> <laughs>